So you're probably wondering what's in the package, aren't you? You don't find out till the end of the message. And when we will reveal it, I'll explain to you. It'll make sense when we get there is all I can tell you. Okay, so yesterday, after a hard day of eating and opening gifts and then eating, I laid on the bed for a little while and I turned on the TV and there was a Cardinal baseball game on. How about that? And the bases were loaded and Yadier Molina stepped up to the plate. You ever notice, you, ever, you remember what we say when a, a capable baseball player that has not been hitting well lately steps up to the plate. What is it, what is it that we say? It's your time. They're due. I heard somebody say that. He's due, he's due for a hit. Yeah, he's due. Well, that's what it is. And so I thought, you know, well, he's due for a hit. And you know what he did? Grand slam. The funny thing is, I saw him do this in a game before. It was a replay, obviously. <laughs> so, 2020, 2021 have been tough years. Now, they, they've been tough years for a lot of reasons that we share collectively. But they've been tough years for some of us in different ways. And the thing that I want you to understand today, I want you to get is, you don't know what's been going on in the life of the person sitting behind you or in front of you. You don't know what they've been going through, but I I can guarantee you this, they've been going through something. And so when I think about 2022 coming, I think we're due. You know what I mean? We're due. Now, I'm not saying that we deserve it or God owes this to us or anything else. But when we think of that vernacular of the baseball game, we we would look at it and say, okay, we're due for a good year. But here's what I want you to get. I, I want 2022 for me and my family, and I hope you want the same for you. I want it to be a spiritual experience. You see, later in this week, as you get toward the end of this week, some of you are going to be making New Year's resolutions, right? And many will make New Year's resolutions and they'll last three, four days, a week, a month, and then they'll go away. I want to tell you, I don't think what we need is a resolution in our world, our country, even in our own church. What we need is a revolution. We need a change. I am so tired of politics. I, I got a name in on that one. I'm just so tired of hearing all of this stuff. And you turn on the TV, and my goodness, everything is about masking and vaccinations and, and who did this right and who was dumb enough to do this and all. I, I don't want to hear any of that stuff anymore. And you know what? None of that stuff is going to make really the difference in eternity, really. They're really not. The things that matter are an experience with God. And that's what's so important. You see, we need, what the world needs, we need a revival. I would even say we need revival in our church, uh, the local church. And I know we need revival in the church, universal, worldwide. In 18... 
1857 and 1858, for two years, some of the most powerful financier and men in the country met in New York City to pray. Now, now think about that for a little bit, okay? They met in New York City to pray, and New York City became ground zero of a prayer meeting that took place for two years. The result of that time in prayer was one million people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. There were 30 million as the population of the United States, and one million of them made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. Wouldn't you like to see that happen in our country now? Wouldn't you like to see that happen in our world right now? In our church, wouldn't you like to see this, 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 this altar, these stairs filled at the end of a service with people on their knees and they're weeping and they're crying and they're getting things right with God? And they're making a decision to follow him with their lives and there's been an experience that has taken place. But I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like I'm on a roller coaster. I like, I like amusement park rides and I like roller coasters. So I go and you know, you, you get on a roller coaster and here's, here's what happens. You get, you know, first of all, I want you to remember this. They strap you in. Man, you can't move. There's one roller coaster, one of my favorites, and they strap you in here and then another thing goes up here and then your feet are locked and you can't move. And so you get in this thing and it, and this has, Almost, it has, I think it's an 85 degree drop. And so you voluntarily strap yourself in this thing, and then you go clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack, clickety clack, up the hill. And you know what happens when you, as you, that clickety clack keeps going until what? You hit the crest, go over the top, and then you are 100% at the mercy of gravity. You can't get out. It doesn't matter what happens. If it leaves the track, you can't get out. You're going wherever those cars go. If one wheel comes off, you're still strapped in that thing. And so what do we do? Woo! Right? Woo! We do this. I have come to the conclusion that that people aren't really doing this because they're excited. They're praying, Lord, get me off of this thing. (laughs) Then we get back in line and do it again. I kind of feel like we're on a roller coaster like that right now. We're out of control. For, for a guy like myself who likes to be in control of everything, I don't like being out of control. But we're, we're just kind of, we're, we're at the mercy of gravity. We're at the mercy of what's going on in our world, it seems like. It seems like the hatred and the violence and, and all the nasty talk and everything that's around us and, and the division. There's so many divisions and all this stuff has taken place and the world is just like a roller coaster going downhill and we don't know what's at the bottom and we don't know where we're going to turn. We don't know what's going on and it's just driving us crazy. You know what? I, here's what I believe. I really do believe this. God needs to get, the, get our attention sometimes. He really does. 
God has to get our attention. Now, for a child of God, for a person who truly has a relationship with Jesus Christ, understand, once you are born again, the Holy Spirit begins to live live within you at that moment, dwells in you. And so a a, a child of God, one who's truly a believer, has given their life to Jesus Christ, cannot, we're going to come back to this, but they cannot continue in sin. They just can't. The Holy Spirit won't let them live that way. But the problem is, there are so many other things going on in the life of people who go to church and try to claim Christianity, all this other kind of thing, and they can't live that life because there's not been an experience. We need an experience. Sometimes God has to get our attention. And I want you to watch this video God got the attention of this young lady. Then I'm going to explain, explain it to you. Hi, my name is Taylor Dudley, and this is my story. My dad is a pastor, so I was practically born inside of the church. I went to church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night, even if I didn't want to. My parents forced me to go. When I was seven years old, I tiptoed into my parents' bedroom around 10 o'clock at night, and I told them that I wanted to make the decision to get baptized. They asked me what that meant to me, and I told them that if I were to die today, then I wasn't going to go to heaven. They told me to sleep on my decision, and if I still am thinking about it in the morning, then to come to them. I knew I couldn't make that decision because I wanted to get saved that night. That night, in my parents' bedroom, I accepted Christ in my life at age 7. When I was about 15 years old, I decided I wasn't actually saved, and I came home after a volleyball game one night, and I told my parents that I don't think I'm really saved. I rededicated my life to Christ that night, and I went forward in front of the church again. Since then, I've had no doubts that I was saved. When I graduated high school, I decided to attend Missouri Baptist University. On Welcome Weekend of 2018, I met a large group of friends that we got really close really fast. I was so excited about my new friends, and I could not wait to hang out with them. Little did I know that they were into some things that I had never been in before. I quickly began to get into the party scene and doing all that stuff that I had never been introduced to. I was disappointed in my decisions, and I wanted to take them all back, but I knew I couldn't. On November 1st, of 2019, I woke up in my college dorm room and I wasn't feeling guilty anymore. It was that time I fell to my knees and I said, this is the time I start living for Christ. My relationship with Christ had dwindled ever since I started college and I was really upset about that. I came to my parents about a year later and told them what I had done and what I had been going through. I was so upset to tell them that I had been doing this with tearful eyes from both of my parents and both of my siblings they forgave me just like christ did i'm so excited about my decision and i wish i could take back all of my decisions that i had made in the past but i can't that's a part of my story and that's a part of who i am i love that i get to share this with people because this was the best decision i've ever made in my walk with christ that has made me so much stronger as a christian Taylor, come here. This is my daughter, and I love her. (laughs) 
I'm proud of you, honey. Thank you. You know, some may ask, why would a dad show a video like that? Well, number one, she asked me to. I had already prepared this message, had the outline all done. I get a text, and she says, Dad, I think it's time for me to share my testimony. I said, are you sure? And she said, yes. She had come to us just a little over a year ago and told us what was going on and what had happened. She had already gone to God and got things right with God. She did that first because that was the most important relationship. Then she came to mom and dad, and she got that right. And she told us how the Holy Spirit had been working on her and had not given up on her and loved her, and we did too. And we immediately forgave her. So she wanted me to, and it fit perfectly within this message. And so that's number one. Number two, she believes God wants her to use this testimony to make a difference in other people's lives. She believes that other people are struggling in the ways that she was struggling. Number three, I want you to understand something. This pastor's family is not perfect. Sometimes we stand up before you and you think everything in our lives are perfect. As I said earlier, you don't know what's happening in front of you or behind you. I am far from perfect. My family is far from perfect. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say probably you can relate in the same way. But God loves us and he doesn't give up. God got Taylor's attention. I'm so, so very grateful for that. And he doesn't give up. He gives us opportunities to repent. When we are his child, we are his child forever, eternally. He doesn't give up on us. But there's got to be an experience that makes a difference. So I want you to open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 9, and we're going to look at Saul's experience on the road to Damascus. This, this has been, it's been a hard year for us. I didn't know how to process anything like this. I dealt with it with other families. I had not with my own. Dealt, had not dealt with it personally. So this, it's, it's been a tough year. And there are other things that happened through the year, you know, that weren't related to this in any way that we had to deal with. So I know that you, you're probably dealing with some things as well. But in Acts chapter 9, we see Paul, Saul, I'm sorry, his name's going to be changed to Paul. He's on the road to Damascus. To, he's, he's up to no good. He's up to no good. And he, he's persecuting the church. He's as far away from anything could be considered godly at all. God hadn't even, hadn't even come into his life. And then he had an experience. I want you to see this experience. Let's, let's begin in verse 3. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. 
It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, Arise, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground. When his eyes were opened, he saw no one. They led him by his hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Let's pray. God, I pray that now you add your, your power, your inspiration to the reading of your word. God, help us, Lord, to internalize this, to, to make application to our own life. Lord, help us to realize that we need an experience with God. That brings us eternal life. And that eternal life is forever, God. Lord, I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. So as we, as we look at the scripture, what was going on with Saul, and we think about this, and then I, again, I'm just incredibly amazed at how well this testimony fits in with this message. But here's the first thing I want you to understand. Every believer, if you're going to be a child of God, every believer needs an experience with Jesus Christ, not just a weekly visit. Think about that. You need an experience with Jesus Christ, not just a weekly visit. There, there are people who come and, and sit in pews every single Sunday, and they do all the right things. They may not even be doing the bad things, but if they've never had an experience with Jesus Christ where they've come to a saving knowledge of him, it doesn't matter what good things they do. Even the bad things don't make a difference because we don't go to hell because we do bad things. We go to hell because we are a sinner separated from the Lord Jesus Christ, separated from God. But so many of us, we, we come to church and we think if we just come and, and we have a, that weekly visit with God, or maybe it's monthly or bi-monthly or whatever it might be, couple times a year, whatever it might be. We think if we do that, everything's going to be okay. Listen to me. We have to have an experience with Jesus Christ. David Butler would tell you in one minute that worship is not a spectator event. Worship is something that you are involved in. You don't come and sit in the pew and sit and watch us worship or, or watch them worship or watch us, us preach or anything like that. If you're going to worship, you're going to get, you're going to be involved in it and it's going to change you. If you come to church Sunday after Sunday and you walk in here and you do all the churchy things and you walk out and nothing's different, listen, something isn't right. When we open the word of God and when we worship and when we get involved in the things of him and then we pour our, heart, our hearts out to him, we have an experience and it changes us. I can tell you about my experience when I accepted Jesus Christ as my savior. It was an experience that changed my life. Being co confronted by God made a difference in Saul's life. Now, open, back, open your Bibles back up to Acts chapter 9 if you've closed them. I want you to turn back to verse 1 and 2, because this made Saul a different person. This is the Saul leading up to that. In verse 1, then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, 
went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, do you understand what of the way is? The, the way was the way of the Lord Jesus Christ, following Jesus, his teachings, that was called the way. Whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Persecution at its worst for the church, for the early church. He was going in, taking those that were worshiping Jesus and bounding, binding them up, handcuffing them, if you would, and bringing, bringing them to the city where then they would be judged and persecuted. Some even died. So being in the presence of God changed Saul. It changed him completely inside and out. You see, the problem with people who claim Christianity and do maybe do all the right things, but don't live a life for Christ, is that they've never had an experience with Jesus Christ. You know, you ask somebody, so tell me about your experience coming to Jesus Christ. Well, you know, I, I've just kind of always believed. I've always, I've always been saved and uh, I was raised in church and I, I do good things and I don't do, I don't do a lot of bad things. I do all these things. No, no, no. Tell me about your experience. Listen, when I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I was a week from being seven years old, but I remember that changed me completely. I got up from that little swivel orange chair in our living room, and I stood up, and I thought, wow, life is different. I went to school that Monday morning, and life was different. Everything had changed. It was like a Damascus Road experience, and God began to work in me. Listen, I want you to understand this, and you you heard that in Taylor's testimony. When a person is truly born again, they cannot continue in sin. The Holy Spirit will just tear them up. So a couple things. If you're dealing with something in your life right now, and the Holy Spirit's convicting you of that, it's time to let it go. And give it to God and say, hey, look, I gotta, I gotta stop this. Or if you're just living life as you want to and, and nothing bothers you, then something should bother you. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you're, if you're just, you can just do anything you want to do and live any way you want to live and nothing, nothing bothers you. There's no, 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 as, as the Bible said, the, the kicking of the goads, the pricking of the Holy Spirit, no conviction about it. Then that should bother you. Maybe there's never been an experience of salvation that you've ever had. A genuine believer cannot continue in sin. So, so every believer needs an experience with Jesus Christ, not just a weekly visit. Number two, every believer needs to listen to the voice of God instead of only making requests of him. What do our prayers sound like? We pray... Oh, God, help Aunt Martha. Oh, God, please help me to get that job that I'm interviewing for tomorrow. God, please help me to pay my bills this week. God, please help me to get that parking place close to the front. You know, we, we, we pray prayers like that. And it, you know, opening up and, and sharing our heart with Christ is what we're supposed to do, what we should do. 
But um, we need to listen and hear the voice of God. God got Saul's attention, verse 3. As he journeyed, came near Damascus, and suddenly a light came from heaven. A light shone from heaven. Then he fell to the ground. Humility. He heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why did he say it twice? Maybe Saul wasn't listening. How many times did God have to say, Taylor? I don't know. How many times has he said, Jerry? Listen to me. Maybe he's calling your name. He's saying, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Now, Saul's first response probably would have thought would have been, well, I'm not persecuting you, whoever you are. I'm persecuting these crazy people because he saw himself as justified. When we sin, listen, when we sin, we are sinning against Jesus Christ. When Jesus Christ went to the cross, he shed his blood, his, his uh, hands and feet were pierced, his side was pierced, and the blood flowed out. Why? For sins that I and you commit. When we sin, we sin against Jesus Christ. And he said, who are you, Lord? Then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And he said this, it is hard for you to kick against the goads. Some translations say it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. And imagine if you would, uh, maybe you're used to... Uh, working cattle or riding a horse or something, and you have something to kind of goad that, that animal along. And uh, used to what they would do, they'd take and they would poke it to get it to move. Like the oxen to get it to, to plow. If he got lazy and decided he wanted to stop, they'd poke it and get it to move on, get it to go. And so this comparison is right here. It's hard for you to kick against the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. Do you understand what's going on? So that's exactly what was happening to Taylor. It was hard for her to to push against the convicting power of the Holy Spirit. I want you to understand this. Taylor didn't repent because she got caught. She didn't get caught. She got convicted. Do you understand that? It's not that nobody else knew what was going on. I'm sure a lot of people knew what was going on. We didn't. Mom and Dad didn't. But she got convicted. Let me me ask you, what's going on in your life right now that the Holy Spirit's convicting you about? And it's hard for you to to push against the the kicking of the goad or the pricking of of uh, of the stick where it's just kind of God's trying to get your attention. There's There might be something that God's trying to get your attention about today. He's talking to you, and if you're a true believer, you know that that power of the Holy Spirit is, is pushing you to change, to make, a, to make a difference in your life. If you're not a believer, if you've never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, then maybe today he's poking at you and saying, listen, you need to make a decision for Christ because eternity is coming fast, and we're seeing prophecy fulfilled every single day. In our world. Look at verse 6. The Bible says, So he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what do you want me to do? You know, if if nothing else at this point, Saul's got got this sudden realization that he can't hide anything from God. Have you had that realization yet in your life? 
There's absolutely nothing that you're doing that's hidden from God. Now, you might be hiding it from mom and dad. You you might be hiding it from your spouse. You might be hiding it from other people. You might be hiding it from your pastor or your Bible study leader or youth minister or whoever it might be. But listen, God sees everything going on in your private life. You're not hiding it from God. And so realize that. And then sometimes God has to get our attention like this. And the Bible uses these words, trembling, holy fear of God, astonished. When was the last time God did something that astonished you? You know, I, I think sometimes we're so busy talking to God that we don't take time to listen to God. We're telling him all the things we want. We're telling him about all the problems that we have. You know, it's a whole lot easier to converse than is to be quiet and listen. Sometimes, I want you to get this, sometimes I think that we just need to shut up and listen to God. Let him speak. Psalm 46.10, God said, Be still and know that I am God. Be still. And know that I'm God. We don't have a lot of quietness in our, in our world anymore. There's noise everywhere. Some of us go, go to sleep with a fan on so it makes noise. Some of us go to sleep with a TV on or a radio on or music so it makes noise. And if we're sitting in a quiet spot, we have to have music or something playing. Why when we get on an elevator by ourselves do we have to listen to music? Why, when we sit in a doctor's office and there's nobody else there, why is there music playing? Because it's awkward when it's silent. Listen, we need some of that awkwardness in our life. We need some silence and for it to just get quiet and for us to hear the things of God. And when that happens, there's going to be trembling and astonishment and all of these things when we listen to the voice of God. Of God. So what we need is an experience. Not a weekly visit. We need to listen to the voice of God. Then every believer needs to surrender all. Or surrender everything to God. Instead of expecting everything from him. We kind of are in a mentality. Of church nowadays. In the world. Not, not, I'm not preaching at First Baptist Church, but we have this thinking in Christianity that God is there to give us everything, to make everything right, to make everything perfect. And honestly, the scripture is quite opposite. That When you receive Christ as your Savior, there's going to be some great persecution, some difficulties. Because Satan's just realized he's lost a battle he will never win. So he, he knows he can't win the war, but he wants to win as many battles as he can. He, wa- he wants to make it as difficult for you as he possibly can. When we surrender all, it's going to change the direction that we're going. That's called repentance. When we surrender all, this is what repentance is. Repentance means to turn. So if we're going this way and God gets our attention, we have an experience that changes us. Repentance means to turn and go the other direction. We turn. It'll change the direction that we're going. I don't know about you, but I'm not really happy with the direction most of the world's going right now. I'm, I'm tired of it. I want to see it over. Number two, it will, it will render 
people speechless. You know what the, what the word said in Acts chapter 9 there? That the people around him were quiet. They didn't say a thing. They didn't know what to say. They couldn't speak. They just shut their mouths. You know, there's enough talking head conversation going on today. I wish the world would get a little bit quieter. I just wish people would be quiet and quit sharing their opinion about everything that you turn the TV on, every channel you go to, there's somebody else that's got their opinion and it varies so much. It just stop. Surrender all to God. It'll change our direction. It'll make people speechless. When we surrender our will to God, it's going to give us a vision for God, a vision for life, a vision for ministry, a vision for leadership. God immediately began to show Saul, who would be Paul, what he wanted him to do. Why did God choose to blind him for three days? Because so many of the things that we see just gets our attention, and if we just could quit seeing this stuff, God wanted Saul to see something different, so he didn't let him see anything for three days. Not only did he not see for three days, He didn't eat for three days. Food became less important. You see, in the United States, in our first world nation that we live in, we live to eat. I mean, what a week we've had. What a week we're going to have. In in a third world country, they eat to live. They try to find something to stay alive. But in a God world... We fast to worship, and we die to serve. Let me explain that by Romans chapter 12, verse 1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, we, we have this sometimes this idea when we read about fasting in the Bible that fasting is a sacrifice that we make every once in a while at lunch. I'm going to skip lunch today. I'm going to fast because I'm, I'm doing my spiritual thing, right? No, no, you're not. You're, it's just a tradition. What are you doing? Now, I don't know what's going on in your heart, but if, if it, you're making a big deal about it, I think Scripture is very clear that you're not fasting as the Scripture wants us to do. Fasting like the Scripture wants us to do, fasting like Paul had was, you are so distraught with what's going on in your life that you cannot eat. Have you ever been so upset about something that you couldn't eat? Have you ever been so convicted of something in your life that you couldn't eat? You couldn't eat. You didn't want to eat. You didn't even think about food. It didn't even cross your mind. Saul went three days without sight or food or drink, and nothing was more important than what God was doing. It so affected Paul that it just left him like this for three days. The Damascus Road experience changed Saul. And he changed his name to Paul. He changed his name to Paul because he was, this experience made him a different person. Let, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had an experience with God that changed your life that, like that? 
I don't mean come to church every week or come to church once a month or, or every time mom and dad or grandma and grandpa ask you to come, you come to church with them. I mean, have you ever had an experience in your life that changed you and you were a different person? Listen, attending church isn't going to do it. It just isn't. But I want you to understand this. God will forgive anything. And number two, God will not give up on his own. If you are a child of God, God will not give up on you. I, it's time to open my present. So I have a gift here. And it's not a gift from me, but it's a gift that God gives to every child of God. I want to ask uh, Spencer, come stand. Well, come up here and then I'll have you walk down there. And then, Robert, would you come up here? What I've got here is just a rope. All right, uh, Spencer, let's see if we can get that. Spencer, what's that say on there? That's the beginning, right? All right. Keep going, man. Keep going. All right, Robert, what's this say? End game over. End game over. Okay, so the, the traditional thinking, the traditional thinking is that uh, when, when we mess up, we make a mistake, we do something wrong, we sin, we're done. Game over, right? Well, God's forgiven us. First of all, if you're a child of God, he's, he's paid for every sin you're going to ever commit and every sin you have ever committed. But, Robert, we sin. We, we, we make mistakes. We do things that are wrong. So, is game over? No. God keeps saying, I love you. I'm here for you. Some of you are here today and you've messed up. You, you've made some mistakes along the way. And you keep thinking, there's, there's no hope for me. Hold this, Robert. I'm just going to tell you, you can just keep going and going and going. Because if you've accepted Christ as your personal Savior, there's no end. It's eternal. He just keeps loving you and forgiving you. Spencer, lay that down, right? Let's stretch it tight. All right, here we go. Let her lay. Thank you guys so much. Appreciate your help. Listen, I want you to understand Wherever you are in your spiritual walk with Christ. Maybe you've never had the beginning where you've prayed and received Jesus as your Savior. And you say, man, end, game over. Because if you don't have Christ, you don't have any of that benefit. There is no gift like that. But the gift that we have that I unwrapped is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You can have that today. But maybe you're struggling with something. Maybe... Listen, we're going, to have a, we're going to have a song here in a minute. And when we do, Tim, Pastor Tim's going to be here. I'm going to be up here. If you want to come and talk to one of us, pray with us, we want to. I promise you we want to. But you can go right past us. You can come right down here, meet with God, get on your knees, and begin praying. And say, God, I need to get something right with you. I don't know what it is, but please do not leave today like you came. 2022 should be a year of experience. Let's pray. God, I pray that you be with us this morning. 
God, we give this time of invitation to you as you are inviting, as are you, as you are calling and calling people to you, and calling people to this altar, calling people to repentance. Lord, I pray that they respond, that we respond, God. Lord, we're not perfect people. We make mistakes. Lord, during this time, I pray your Holy Spirit begins to prick and, and to goad and convict and to move hearts and change lives. I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.